0: Flight 99 to Stockholm.
1: 99. Wow. I can't believe it. (laughs) 99. (laughs) 99. We should have done this on September 9th, really, then, shouldn't we? (laughs) If only we were that organized.
0: And for those who know Brooklyn 99, which is one of the best shows on TV,
1: 99, guys. Also,
0: yeah, we know our centenary is coming up. We doubt we're going to make something special for it. We had a few plans, but we are very, very busy. So it might be that the episode 100 is a normal episode. And... Whatever surprise we had will come a bit later. We'll see. I'm not uh, preempting this yet, but we'll see. And also, we're recording today on um, Thursday, the 19th of September, the week after we came back on the air. But this won't be released before the end of the month because I have like two and a half weeks of being super busy. Alex is also super busy, and we're gonna have that as a stopgap before our
1: episode 100. I cannot believe we're reaching 100. I man. can't believe it either. It's it's rather exciting.
0: It is. We actually never Ever had planned when we started doing this and having, you know, episode 007, that we will reach 100. Oh. It was just fun to have three numbers in our numbering system, but yeah. uh, well, We will never get to 1,000, though. I doubt it.
1: (laughs) Not at this rate, anyway.
0: (laughs) So Stockholm, obviously Stockholm, because, well, it's an airport that is very dear to the heart of many AV geeks when you live in Europe, because it's one of the origins that you can take to have very good deals, Mm -hmm. along with Stavanger and other airports in the Nordics. And also we had actually a lot of people asking for for this episode like just after we recorded the last one we had a review on iTunes on Apple podcast five stars thank you from Soren Sommerfeld in Germany who said Great episode again. That was for DTW, so Detroit. Can't wait for the Stockholm episode since I'm living here for half a year. Wondering if you'll be checking out the
1: 747 hotel at Arlenda. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't actually. Have no, you checked the hotel? S- I haven't. Be- I can I was in Stockholm a few years ago, but I really do need to get back there. I've been a few times lately, which is why uh, we're doing it as well. Is it a fake
0: 747 or is it a real 747? No, build? it's
1: real. Oh. It's a 747-200. It was originally built for Singapore Airlines, but then it went to Pan Am and then a bunch of others. Actually, it went with Cathay. Quite a storied past, but yeah, it's a real deal. Well, there you go. And also from... Teabag030
0: on Instagram who says greetings from Sweden and thanks us for latest episodes. So yeah, we have a lot of listeners in Sweden. So there you go, guys. We're finally reaching your shores. I don't think we've ever done an episode in, in Sweden yet, which is really strange. I really, I looked at back at our catalog and I really thought we had done Stockholm at some point, but we never did for some reason. Yeah,
1: I'm really surprised.
0: Another thing that happened last time when we recorded, we said that uh, Popeye has released their chicken sandwich, which Alex is still looking for. Stuff goes very fast in the chicken world because now KFC has released their chicken donut sandwich. Have you seen that I thing? I have. <laughs> what is this?
1: Uh, it's a little bit over the top. Th- well, a little bit. It's very over the top, isn't it? Very. Like chicken <laughs> with the donuts instead of a bun. <laughs> yeah. It just makes That's... my teeth hurt thinking about it. And I, you know, I eat quite a lot of garbage, so that, that doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> a lot coming from me I wonder if you ever going to get that in a, in a flight though that- uh, you know what you sent me that wonderful Mosberger instruction leaflet thing that uh, makes me realize Anita. that anything oh Anita yes thank you Anita for finding that Makes me realize that really anything is possible food wise in flight if you can do that. That leaflet is amazing. So guess it's a it's a leaflet that Anita got when
0: she got that Aramos teriyaki burger that we mentioned in the last episode, and it looks like a safety leaflet. Yeah, just that it's instructions how you should open the various parts,
1: and because you basically have to build the burger yourself, if I'm not mistaken. You do, and there's <laughs> all these like separating pieces of wax paper to make sure that it retains its structural integrity, which is genius actually, but. But it does look quite complicated. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> she mentions, by the way, Anita, because she came back to us after we mentioned her, that the airmos is also for adults. It's not only a kid's menu. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely for adults. <laughs> and I really want to do it just to get that leaflet, because that leaflet is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's a work, <laughs> of, a
1: work of instructional art.
0: <laughs> she adds that it was very, very tasty. So right. see, one more reason for us to try it. When she was going to Japan, she also had mapped out her travel to being able to taste the on egg sandwich. Oh, my goodness. That's something I want in a flight.
1: Think how easy that would be, too. I mean, of all the things that would survive a flight, that's got to be one of them. I mean, BA do it and so many others with the buy on board. Somebody (laughs) needs to jump on that. I wonder if... In Japan, they realize how much of a cult following that particular otherwise benign sandwich has. I don't think so. It's a commodity. It is. I, I actually
0: ranked during the summer the, the best egg sandwich, and like yeah, Lawson stays uh, stays the best, actually. She also adds that she travels with her kids often, obviously, and uh, they also get airsick, which happened to your kid. We mentioned the story in the last episode. She would love to have any tips... For family travel from you, Alex. So, you know, feel free over the next episodes
1: to whatever you have. Yeah. Amazing tips as a father to share. Well, with. I have to say, and I've been pitching this idea for years to my wife. I think that she should come on and give her tips because not only she does way more than me on the airplane, but also she's done these flights by herself many times. And, oh wow. And has strategies and everything from infants all the way up to my son will be my eldest son will be 9 in 4 days on the 23rd or i can pre-record it cuz she she doesn't want to do it but i'm going to force her because she has <laughs> got she's got a wealth of tips on this
0: yeah we should actually simply do a family episode at some point you're right it's something that i just can witness but i've never, actually never done so yeah it's a very good idea so now to make another listener happy on instagram i don't know how to pronounce your name men or could be a woman actually g v w e n w o g i had to laugh so much, because when I mentioned the ANA new seat, I was so jealous, and <laughs> that you were invited. The reaction of Paul was so funny. Keep up the good work. So, how was that ANA event, Alex?
1: It was great. It was really great. It was right off Brick Lane in this uh, event space, which I'd never been to before, and they they had these sort of makeshift pagodas, you know, the the wonderful... (laughs) Not pagodas. You know, uh, those wonderful kind of archways that they have in Japan that are usually red... Yeah, the gates. The gates. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And... In the middle of this space on an elevated platform, they had a block of the four seats, oh. which they had uh, many, many, many flight attendants in attendance to kind of brief you on how the seats work. And the seats are oriented as a block of four, much like the Q-suites. They're facing each other, the, okay. the, the two seats. And I was able to experience that they had the full power connected and the IFE and oh, everything, nice. so you could try it. It was very, very impressive. It was really, really wide seats. Yeah, it reminds me of the pictures of the Singapore Airlines yes. 380 seat. That wide. It, yeah, if if not wider. and Yeah, yeah. So you feel like you're in a sofa at home when you're sitting upright. The whole thing isn't that wide. The footwell tapers to allow for the other person's cubbies and cabinets that you have to your side as well. The screen is, is huge and crystal clear. And the seat itself, the padding, which you see as the seat is reclining, you can see how thick it is. Really, really thick seat, very, very comfortable. The one thing I noticed that I sent to you immediately was (laughs) if you sit straight and you recline the seat straight, there's no way that I could fit, let alone somebody like you. Could oh wow. Fit. It's it's very it's very short. But then in all of the images, the press images they have, you can see the person sleeping at an angle. And actually when I did that, so I moved my head to the adjacent corner that my feet were, plenty of room. So again like Singapore, because Singapore I would
0: unless I'm bulkhead, but even I would usually sit in a diagonal. I would not sit like up straight. And but the good thing since we're comparing that to that three eighty the the old seat now. Is that it actually so reclines? Whereas the Singapore seats, you had to stand up. Yeah, like the and old
1: Atlantic. Yeah,
0: yeah, you had to fold it. So oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Wow.
1: What about the door? Is yeah. it high? The door is high. Yep, and it and it comes across in like uh, in two sections that close together. You felt very very private and secluded when you were in the seat, even with a million people walking around you and a lot of noise, obviously at, a, at an event, as opposed to yeah, the yeah sky. of course. So the manufacturer is not the one from the Q-suite, although there
0: are obviously, I guess there's not like a billion ways to do a seat and and to fit it in an aircraft at the end of the day. But the manufacturer is completely different. And you had the the chance to also meet the
1: designer of the seat. Yes, he he was. um, I'm going to forget the name of the... Oh, yeah. My God. He's the one who built the... um, the Tokyo Stadium stadium. that's going to open early this year. And... He also built the VNA in Dundee as yeah. well, which is an extraordinary building, a uh, very famous Japanese architect.
0: The name also eludes me because I didn't put uh, it in my uh, notes. Kengo Kuma, his... of course.
1: Kengo Kuma. Kuma. Yeah, there you go. And, Thank you. Yeah, he was very, very nice, very interested, would speak to anybody, not that you know, that he wouldn't otherwise, but yeah, he was, he was proud of it. And he partnered with a a London design agency to to do it. And I must say that one of my criticisms of the previous ANAC was that it was very clinical. It was lots of metal. Yeah, we said that a lot of time, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and that absolutely not the case anymore. They've kept, however, some of the blue, the color. They've kept the blue. It's, it's much more understated. It's uh it's it's an accent, but it's it's beautifully done. It's very Japanese, it's very A. It's a very, very strong seat. They're gonna do really well with this. What they didn't show or didn't have, because it's rolling a little bit slower, is the new first class.
0: Yeah. I said in the last episode that for me, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Swiss first class, which is this very large cubicle with a large door. Were you able to see even bits of it? like the, Or no, nothing? They,
1: they had a video playing and I was chatting to one of the cabin crew about it. And she said that the new... Se- <laughs> It has a 43-inch <laughs> 4K screen. Just pick up like, my TV. I just up my, my, my TV, too. And I said, 43 inches? Are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And then she showed me a, a brochure of it. And sure enough... I should never have... huge. Have done, huge. The seat itself is, is beautiful as well. It's this lovely gray. I, they've yeah, done such dark, a good job
0: with it. It's darker than the than the one in, in business class, which is often the case in Japan. If you look at JAL, they have darker colors for first class, including in the lounges compared to business class. Wow. I mean, holy cow. Yeah. So are they not introducing... Because the reason you had that event was that two things. They are opening the route with that seat now from London to That's Haneda. But also, I think it was celebrating. Maybe you. So that maybe I'm wrong. I'm
1: not sure. It was a 30-year right. an anniversary of, of the opening route. of the route. Yeah yeah, 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 okay. So yeah, it was great. I, I I met a few people that I've worked with at A A in the past who are really friendly. Johnny from the design air. Turns out he was there. I didn't I didn't see him, which is which is no. uh, disappointing. I wish we, That's we would a shame. Have crossed cross paths, but I think he he was as impressed as I was. So it's a it's a great. I don't think you can go wrong in that route because A A have a very good product, obviously, yeah. not, and so do JAL. So expensive, however, <laughs> they are not cheap. Um, but no one is. No one is. No. On no one. No.
0: No one is. No one is. Guys, just forty-three inch. Not only compare that to your TV at home. Again, it's because our, both our TVs. I think Emirates first class, new first class, so the super fancy seat is only like. 33 mm-hmm. so this is really like far bigger than anything else
1: it's crazy yeah oh my god it's a it <laughs> i am looking forward to experiencing that in person even if it's in on the ground or in a mock-up were you not also mentioning some kind of vr headsets you tried yeah they had these vr headsets which you and i have, have said that uh <laughs> and on the ground, yeah, it's it's neat to explore and 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 use these VR headsets which they're trying out and you could also try experience the cabin on the airplane as well, but I I would be fascinated to hear from anybody that has tried one of these in flight. Yeah. I, I guess the sensation of movement in an airplane in cruise is very minimal. But if there's, if you're turning or descending, or there's turbulence, I would imagine that it's a very unpleasant experience. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Or disorienting
0: Disp- at the very disorienting. Because usually, even you know these very fancy, there are cinemas now that provide you with VR headsets. The seats do move but they move accordingly to the content you're seeing yeah. on the VR headset. The turbulences are not something... I mean, maybe one day we'll have, you know, movies that can almost react to whatever happens, but that must be jarring. Yeah, I'm not sure I would like to try that. No. Honestly. No, I, no, I, me I, I, neither. <laughs> so still stay in Japan for a little bit and talking about seats since we're on this. JAL has introduced its new business and first class for domestic. So they have a very different domestic product, a. As well, if you look at ANA domestic first, it's uh, kind of an old first international. So it's I think two two two. You know, it's not full life flat, but it's I mean again, we're talking flights from two to three hours or even one hour. So it's not really necessary to have a life flat. Obviously, JAL has now introduced similar seat. I mean, they had that, but they're much better looking. They're still not life flat, but interestingly, if we do that, we'll be able to fly three fifties domestic with this wow. in japan i didn't wow. know that so the 350s they gotten they will deploy some of them internationally but some of them will be like workhorses yep. for these heavy routes sapporo i guess and osaka and a few others
1: it really is an interesting market i think it's so unique i don't think that i mean you think that there would be this type of thing in the u.s as well where we're using wide bodies but everybody else seems to have gone for Optimization of capacity and turn time, whereas they yeah. seem to be able to do that in Japan with a triple seven. And I, you know, we've gushed about this that they can turn a triple seven in thirty-five minutes. And I think it's <laughs> yeah. because everybody boards properly; they sit down and they get on with it. Yeah. Where, yeah, I don't know if that's replicable <laughs> anywhere else in the world. I doubt it. You doubt it. So, eighteen of
0: the three fifty nine hundreds will serve for domestic. Uh, routes and they will also introduce for domestic routes four more dreamliners so really and i think the first route with the 350 if you guys live in japan or want to try that one out will be haneda to fukuoka and that's that has already that's started no i think distance. yeah right what i didn't know uh, and that's the japan airlines chairman is that the nation's domestic market is the third Biggest in the world. And the segmentation within JAL is that 50% of their market is actually domestic, and the other 50% wow. the internationals, which, wow, the domestic market is really important uh, f- for them. And we know they have like a shit ton, pardon my French, of airports crisscrossing Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's uh... Guys, we've said that so many times in this show. Try one day in your life doing a domestic flight in Japan. It, it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. And this comes back to what I was saying also in the last episode. I had a lot of remarks about it, about the grand class, the Shinkansen. So now you understand when you imagine you're in a grand class, you have these very... Plush white seat with leather woven. You know there's wood paneling. They move super softly when you press the button. The sound is muffled. You don't hear anything. That although you're going as fast as you can and. That's why it's competitive, because it's not compared to like a live flat international. It's compared to very good, but still not as good seats. So not only is the price competitive, as I said, between the Shinkansen and JAL or ANA in first class, but the seats in the Shinkansen is much better. Mm-hmm. So when you compare that, you understand why the train is still a very viable option when people would choose that. That experience, guys, was amazing. I didn't mention as well that the bento boxes, so the food mm-hmm. they were giving you, all the elements in there that were beautifully presented, obviously, were each of them curated for. Regions and villages that we were crossing with the Shinkansen, right. of course, right? Uh, including, by the way, we 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 see we cross at some point. We're not very far from Fukushima uh, now, known obviously because of the disaster that happened a few years ago. So yeah, so guys, you also do the grand class. It's something that you have to do once in you in your lifetime. I know we are an air travel podcast, but this is cool. Still talking about Japan. Japan Air Force One, one of the old one, is up for sale in the U.S. I think it's parked in Arizona in one of. Of the uh, graveyards for uh, airplanes, it's a seven four seven four hundred. It used to carry the emperor and also prime ministers on official state business. So if you have twenty eight million dollars to spare, it's yours.
1: I'm sure that that plane will get snapped up by a cargo company, <laughs> or maybe VIP. <laughs> I don't know. I, that whole secondhand market thing is. If anybody is involved in that, I'd love to know more, or any leasing or anything <laughs> like that it's
0: pretty cool because the so parts of the original interiors were removed by japan to put them in a museum and i want to know yeah, which yeah, museum yeah, i didn't yeah. know they had a museum with these things but the company that sells it which is a, a specialized company in the us has refitted the bedroom the shower the office the lounge areas the seats are the, the same the seats actually are very reminiscent of emirates in the i think it's a 232 kind of business class configuration there's only 80 85, 86 seats, because of course the rest was resting and for the emperor and right. everything. It looks, yeah, uh, I don't have 28 million to, to, to spare. I think the, if you look it up guys online, the ad is still running. So you can still find some cool pictures of uh, that 747. And one last from Hanita we just talked about the airmos i said that she had been on the ever hello kitty flight and actually i believe that she was about to fly hello kitty then They canceled on her. Yeah. Uh, and that's why she went on Jal. That's how she discovered Eramos. And she had something about Jal that made her a fan. She has a severe nut and peanut allergy. And she says that uh, the staff took care of her in a very big way. They cleaned her seat and the seat around her, interviewed her at every stop and made sure that she was being taken care of. Wow. I mean, yeah, this is something that is yeah, again, we know that if you've guys been in Japan, we know that the service is really high, but this is yeah, big win for for Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for Jal. She offered by the way lollipops to all of the FAs. Anita, you're a great traveler. You really yeah. are. <laughs> I, mean, I love you. This is amazing. <laughs> So I was, in, I was in Tokyo, as I told you in the last episode, uh, and I forgot to, to say one thing that happened that really is out of character for me for Japan. I was in the immigration hall. I was exiting or entering. Now I'm thinking. I was exiting Japan, and I had my hat, my cap on me, and usually because I'm like that, I, I remove it whilst I'm advancing to talk to the immigration officer, and for some reason I forgot Oops, and I start removing it and suddenly he spoke English. He says, can you put your hat back? And I'm like, what you know I'm like oh my god what did I do I'm like is he playing with me mm-hmm. turns out that the guy was a fan of the baseball team the Japanese baseball team I had uh, the, the Hoku which is Rakuten Tohoku baseball team and actually wanted me with a hat and I found that so cool but also so out of character for the immigration officer it is quite
1: out of character isn't it
0: <laughs> please keep your hat that was cool a few people have asked me how did I hide from Alex that I was coming so first of all of course I never discussed it with him which was a Pain, but also, <laughs> and I mentioned the loss in sandwich at the beginning. When I was actually flying, I had timed Instagram
1: stories <laughs> that I had it was taken a day or two at four. its best, <laughs> and it worked. I had absolutely no idea because when you arrived and surprised me, it was like, Oh wow, this is amazing. Wait a second, and then I pulled up Instagram. And I was like, "Hey, you! How did you do that?"
0: <laughs> so yeah, thank God for Wi-Fi. So I had pre-planned some stories. That was pretty cool, and I also had to, you know, because we automate everything with our, you know, all these apps. So I unfriended you on Foursquare. I mean, you have an Atashi account on Foursquare, I. I tried to find a way to unfriend you as well on TripIt. I'm like, there's no way that even if I don't forward my flights to all well, my usual apps, one will not reveal it. So I was really so scared that you would find out, but you didn't. I had no um, we had a great uh, softball game by the way and I forgot to mention that of all the people that were there uh, your dad was there as well and that was so cool to finally meet him in person because I only had met him in the episode what was it 28
1: oh yeah yeah he flew in and surprised me as well we had just finished uh, go-karting and there he was standing in the lobby (laughs) but yes I'm so (laughs) glad that you guys got a chance to meet and a couple of other folks that came by that I didn't know where my friend uh, Greg Royal, who works at JetBlue and was with me at Virgin America, and my friend Chris Anthony, who was also at Virgin America with me and has recently, actually yesterday... Unveiled that he's part of this new revenue management startup called Camber, C A M B E R dot com, and he started that with another dear friend of mine, Jason Kelly, who was uh has spent a lot of his career in the airline industry. So, we did have a little airline nerd meetup as well, <laughs> exactly. which, is, which is so awesome. Talking about that, you just mentioned before we started recording the show that I should ask you about what Greg got oh you for God. your birthday. Check this out, Sir Greg Barnes, who films attache with me, got. I saw him a couple of days ago, and he got me this. Hey, look at this. I'm holding up this box. I'm trying no to way! It frame. So, it's this, <laughs> v- it's this vintage board game called Airways. I don't know when it's from. Watch, well, I'll, I'll read you the synopsis on the back, and you guys can try and figure out when this is from. It says, Airways is an excitingly authentic game for two, three, or four players plus an air traffic controller. Each player controls four aircraft belonging to one of the world's great airlines: British Airways, Pan Am, Swiss Air, or Qantas. The no object way. is wow. to fly as many passengers as possible from your home airport to the destination airport on the main board. You follow authentic airline procedure, making regular radio calls, etc. And it's uh, it's a board wow. game, uh, and it's got all these like little mini, you know, characters and and airplanes and all of the regulations. It's so cool. And it's it's got to be, well, I think it's probably about the same age as I am, at least.
0: Yeah, it's vintage, right? I mean, yeah. you're not vintage,
1: Alex, oh, but this looks know, so, know. wow, this is amazing. Isn't that cool? So when I, when we get a chance to play, I'll play with my family, and um, I'll let you guys know how it is. But Greg, thank you. What an awesome gift. That's
0: Dungeons and Dragons for AV Geek. Yes.
1: That's a perfect <laughs> oh my <God>. description.
0: <laughs> my God. I want to be the air traffic controller, you know, the the, the game the master, master or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I also had, of course, a few people ask me why did I land in San Jose? And so only was it I found close or to where Alex lives during the summer, during every summer in California. But more importantly, I didn't want to land in San Francisco because I was like, "There's no way I'm not going to meet someone." that knows Alex in San Francisco airport, I say, maybe San Jose I can just sweep out, just leave and not being recognized. In San Francisco, there will be like, we have so many common acquaintances that transit through or live in San Francisco. This is why. But I'll, I'll, I'll go to San Francisco in a, in a little bit. So, to recap, because I'll do my flights now the way I left the U.S. To recap, I had done Actually, three fares, so three tickets. It was London, Orlando, where we're going today and back. That was one ticket. That was a repositioning flight. Then it was uh, Stockholm, Doha, Doha, Hong Kong, which I mentioned last week, and returned. That was a second fair. And the last one, that was a fair on AA. I was very lucky to find that fair. And that fair was actually Hong Kong Narita. That was with Cathay Pacific. I explained it in the last episode. Then Narita LAX, LAX San Jose, to avoid you at SFO. But the way back, however, was different. The way back was San Francisco, San Francisco Dallas, so DFW, and Dallas Hong Kong. With AA and Dallas Hong Kong is obviously the one I'm oh, gonna talk there. about a little bit because that's that's a sixteen hour flight. <laughs> but I said, Happy birthday, Alex, I'm gonna finally travel to AA. So I went the whole way and actually <laughs> and why did I do that and not do like a round-the-world trip? I looked at round the world trip on Star Alliance and One World. They both have actually on their Alliance websites they have tools to look for that. It was more expensive. This was way less expensive. The only downside to it is that my round the world trip would have me at TWA Hotel in New York. That was my original plan. I said, I'm going to meet Alex. And just after I meet Alex, I'm going to go to the TWA because you've seen it and I haven't. But no, so I went all the way back. It was super long. And the bit here that was a bit not stressful, let's not exaggerate. Three fares, three, so two actually, unprotected connection. I had three hours in Hong Kong after I would arrive with AA to catch my Qatar flight. And I only had two hours in Stockholm mm. landing from Qatar to move to BA. But in my head, I was like, I'll be fine. However, I had a checked in luggage because I had brought my baseball glove, for instance, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have only my backpack because I needed to play that baseball game, softball game with you and your dad and your friends. So San Francisco first, San Francisco airport, which is where I boarded. I want to say by the way because i had a including glue code sunil i had said that if i had time i would meet some of you guys in san francisco and that includes also a lot of friends i didn't have time to see anyone this week was only for alex sorry everybody else i was very selfish. Alex deserved all my attention. That's, that's so very kind. <laughs> so I was at T2 in San Francisco. AA is about to move to T1. I mean, it's about, I think, next year because they're revamping the whole thing over there. But right now, they're still at T2. It's a cute, small terminal. I like the kind of almost art Deco architecture. It's a throwback. They actually are building a, I didn't know, they're building an observation deck as well there. There's no observation deck yet. There is one in the United Terminal. Have you ever been to that terminal? I have now, yeah. It's cute. It's nothing. There's enough amenities. The Admiral's Club is good, honestly. It's better than the one I had in LAX. Trees in the middle and everything, like a bonsai. It's, it's pretty, honestly. <laughs> For a European, it's always strange to have to pay for food in a lounge, and you had to pay for food there. I wanted a sandwich, and I took the Parisian baguette. I'm not sure. Aa, I'd never been to Paris because it's not the true Parisian baguette, but it <laughs> it was really, it was really tasty as well. These premium drinks we mentioned in the last episode. I'm just going to say here, I'm very grateful that they are having the system of having two premium drinks. Again, Heineken is a premium drink, apparently. As I said that, and like whatever. <laughs> But the way they are doing it is a bit not really efficient because they are charging it, but not charging it. And then they're basically stapling the receipt on your boarding pass to actually say when you come back to the bar, oh, I've already used one of my two premium. And then you basically end up with a boarding pass with builds on it which is not really efficient there must be a better way i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with that lounge when aa goes to t1 i have no idea but it was it was okay so the plane to dallas dfw and i know that you've been to dfw but that's going to be in the next episode probably will be probably very contrasting experiences you hinted at that in the last episode at a 321 i had mentioned in a previous episodes as well, these revamped the Project Oasis when they are refitting planes in AA. So the 321 is a very strange bird because they have three versions. They have the transcon version, lie flat in first class, and then other versions, depending if they were an ex-US Airways, there's of no IFE, and if it's an AA, if it has seen the retrofit or not. So it's, it's really, really bizarre. Thank God. And this is something I really appreciate in the AA app. They tell you all that. I A
1: very good, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I was able to know, do I have power? Do I have IFE? Do I have Wi-Fi? Everything is... So you know what to expect before entering the flight, which is not the case in Europe. I don't think any... Even Lufthansa has a very good app. They don't tell you that. You and me might search for it before, but BA will not even talk about that. You were actually, I think, what was it, like a two or three months ago, you were on... Flyer talk, trying to understand which BA flight you would get at some point, right, yes. or something. Yeah,
1: absolutely, <laughs> and what equipment it would have. There's no, they don't. Yeah, they're not good about that.
0: So it's a two-two. I had to say it was no life flight. It's not Transcon. It's like what is it? Three and a half hours to yeah. go to to Dallas or something. They have a large seat with IFE. I wasn't a bulkhead. It was power. They give you like mini headphones. I didn't use them. Strangely, they give you a blanket because it was a very late flight. They give you a blanket, but they don't give you a pillow. I was like, I don't get it. I'd rather have a pillow, not a blanket. Uh, Interestingly, because again, it was a flight where people would like to sleep. Mm. The window blinds were down when we entered, which for me was a reminiscent from what you guys were doing at Virgin America, which I appreciated. But they never asked anyone to put them up. So we... We took off with the window blinds down, and we landed with the window blinds down, which, for me, is very peculiar, because you really usually am used to
1: That doesn't seem to be a regulation in the US, because I took so many flights, and there was never an announcement to raise them. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. One thing I I, I, that,
0: I mean, I understand that you want to push ads at all times. But honestly, having an ad when you want to choose your language, Mm. it's just a setting. Don't put me an ad every time I press a button for a. Setting. Yeah, but anyway the other thing that was really interesting is on the app the mobile web app the mobile web uh, site to get to wi-fi yeah where well, there's a p announcement you know on the ife there's a little p announcement is being made or something that
1: appears as well on the phone really you're, oh you're yeah stopped- that's right that's right it does because so much of it i think is distributed over the same network now i've been trying to understand all this next generation IFE technology and it's all distributed through the same system because you're you can stream the IFE content on your phone through the mobile web app as oh, well. Oh there you go. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't I don't think I've experienced that on any, any other world. airline. Maybe yeah. United, I can't remember, but yeah, you get the same announcement or an announcement that an announcement is Announce- happening. <laughs> I suppose. So there
0: was almost no service. I mean, had a drink. Again, I cannot judge because literally everybody wanted to sleep. It was a night flight, so no one came to offer me anything before takeoff, so no pre-takeoff service. I had a plastic glass and nobody ever took it away from me even before we landed. So really like minimum, minimum service. I wouldn't say the service was bad. I would say the service was absent. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that. But I like is that the seat is in a cradle, so it reclines within itself, meaning you don't bother the person before. The seat was maybe a bit stiff. What I didn't understand is that the plane was maybe two, three years old, so pretty recent. But the remote for the IFE felt like it was from nineteen eighty four. Yeah. You're like <laughs> I'm like some of the stuff here doesn't match. And the UX with the remote, by the way, is stupid. It's like trying to put a Konami code for everything you're trying to do, so you <laughs> better <laughs> nice <laughs> reference. You'd better actually press on on the touch screen. Anyway, the whole thing was okay, but like and again, you guys in the u s are used to this. you, Alex, are used to this as well, but for me, that flight lacked personality when I left the aircraft, I said goodbye, and it didn't answer. They were not saying goodbye to anyone leaving the aircraft. He was like,
1: "Yeah, I don't know. it's so hit and miss, it's so hit and miss. I think it's That's the one thing about American is that it seems woefully inconsistent between premium cabins and economy and also by route, by aircraft and by time of day. There's not a lot of consistency.
0: But I wouldn't say that I hated the flight. It was okay. And, you know, I slept a little bit through it. So it it was okay. It just lacked personality for me. Then uh, DFW, so we'll cover in the next five, ten episodes, we'll cover obviously Dallas because you've been also recently. But... Massive airport. It was probably my second time. I think, actually, uh, the footprint of the airport is bigger than Manhattan. It has its own postcode or
1: something. Yeah, that I, I believe it. How, that airport how. is gargantuan. <laughs> but I didn't
0: feel this way because I literally arrived at gate D-22, and my flight to Hong Kong was departing at D-27. Mm. So basically, I arrived there, and there's no, for those who've never been to the U.S., Entering the US is a bit of a pain in terms of immigration procedures and also you know, luggage recheck and et cetera. Going out is nothing. Going out, you just go out as if you were flying almost domestic. So yeah. Yeah, thank God. yeah, I had like, I think four hours. And for those who know that airport next to where I am, there's a flagship lounge. So I said, oh, I'm going to finally try what you guys have been talking about, the AA flagship lounge. It's a pretty lounge, actually. It's very long. It's all along the the windows that give you to the apron. It's good. It's good. Honestly, there was a lot of food. It looked great. I was not really hungry, but it looked great. The way it was presented was, for me, reminiscing of what I see in these fancy airports like in Doha or or Dubai. It was really well presented, very appealing, appetizing. Uh, I actually tried the chop. Uh, brisket biscuit that was really good <laughs> mm. but they had everything you know from you know egg whites to scrambled cheddar cheese omelette to sushis and fruit salad you could order crepes and they even had nutella to put on and so really it it is an upscale lounge compared to the admiral's club there's a section that is called first dining so i was not traveling in first class i was traveling in business but i had emerald and I said you know what I'm just going to try my luck and I just wanted to see they didn't want to eat they were not sure they looked at me and said we're not sure we can allow you in but they bailed probably it was empty yeah it's it not there's a restaurant it's all day dining there's a bar it's super fancy
1: they do wine pairing if you order food I mean really. I, I did it in Miami Oh, so you in like it? not this episode next episode perhaps so I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story because it was the first time because you have to be traveling in first on a one world carrier inter continental to get in there so i shouldn't have gotten in but they let me in so wow okay but did you eat i did
0: (laughs) that was the only downside for me it was six in the morning seven i don't remember it was really early so i I wasn't really hungry and i do intermittent fasting as they call it nowadays so i don't do breakfast basically but Yeah, what I liked about this experience of that lounge is that this is really up to the great lounge of this world. I mean, it's airy, it's nice, it's big, there's a lot of seating, lots of power, people are kind. The staff at the entrance were very nice. It's linked to the Admiral's Club, so you can transit between the Admiral's Club and the flagship. Of course, there's a person that checks you. There's this first dining part, as I mentioned, the showers. The toilets is Toto, so they invested money into it. They, they, I took a shower; it's very big and comfortable. Okay, they maybe missing a few amenities. There's no razor or toothbrushes and stuff like that. But I really liked it. I know that TFW is uh, the hub or one of the biggest hub for AA in the
1: US, so probably that's why they invested a lot of money. Yeah, right? it's their it's their headquarters for one of oh, a better the better word. It's yeah.
0: So the app for the airport. Uh, I know we're not doing the airport, but the one thing that they have that. All the airports in the world should have, in the app, they have live security wait times. You know, I had four hours and I said, I want to have a little bit of fresh air. I want to go out and go back in. But I wouldn't want to do that if TSA lines were like five hours. I don't have prayer or whatever. And I found that one of the security lines had like a a one-minute wait. I went out, stayed for 20 minutes, went back in. It was perfect. So that's something that I really liked. One other thing I think they have in this lounge, but I'm not sure. Maybe some of our listeners will tell us. I think they have mini suites, rooms. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The one thing that lacked in the entire airport, actually, most of the boards, you know, for the flights only showed domestic flights for some reason and not the international ones. That's weird. That's very weird. I had to ask. I'm like, so is my flight actually leaving? Yeah. It's so they have separate boards in the lounge. You cannot see them very easily. So that was a bit... Anyway. So 777 from DFW to Hong Kong. So a super long, long, long way. I looked at upgrading myself to first class. It was honestly not worth it in terms of price. I know that Alex has done it. So this is something for the probably the next episode. I'm very jealous. Uh, is it worth it? I don't know. But I had like the first seat. So the equivalent of 1A, there was no first. The first seat next to the first class. It's a Cathay seed. Yeah. We mentioned it last episode, actually, I think on the 787, it's a super diamond seed. But this one is the, the Zodiac seed. So it's really the Cathay one, like yeah. exactly the Cathay one. It's pretty large. It's nice. The minute ticket is more complete than the one that I had for the Dreamliner. And what I was really happy about is that I went to so many websites before trying to understand, will they give me pajamas? Because for 16 hours, you know, it would be nice to change. And most of the websites, most of the threads, people were either unsure or said no. And I was like, I kept my Qatar Airways from going to uh, Hong Kong. I kept it in my backpack just in case. No, they give you actually a pajama. And it's a nice one. It's colors American Airlines, blue and gray, whatever. It's it's nice, honestly. I guess they're doing an effort because it's a 16-hour flight.
1: Yeah, and it's... You're right. The The seats are different. They're just as good. And you know who has a really good re- reference on this for comparison of, of seats, especially in really fractured offerings like in the US market is the points guy. Okay. The points guy ranks The business class seats from best to worst on all the U.S. airlines. And he shares your opinion that the flagship business on the 777-300 is the best.
0: Yeah, it is. Guys, if you've flown Cathay Pacific, it is that seat. Almost the same. Probably Cathay edges it a little bit more bells and whistles. But for 16 hours, it's perfect. You know, Wi-Fi worked. The IFE is pretty complete. There's live TV. I mean, honestly, it's it's, it's great. There's a... this, because it was very close to the first class, the The curtain, they have a, just a curtain, which is fine, but the curtain is see-through, which is a
1: bit I know, that, yeah, isn't that strange? I wonder if that's a security a, thing or a... Yeah,
0: I'm wondering. I, I don't know. And they actually said on the PA when we were ascending, and that's the actual quote, do not cross cabin lines.
1: Yes, yeah, They even on one of my flights, I think it was over to Dallas from London, the captain said it. Oh, was it a
0: captain? I think it was a P. I'm not sure now, because I didn't write that down in my notes, and it was uh, two months ago. But, well, I mean, I, I get it, but the fact that they really say it that way is, maybe, like again, it's safety reasons. I don't know. And the other thing that I really liked, is that, <laughs> that was clearly the, uh, the flight attendant who said that, nor the pilot, nor us attendants have control when
1: the Wi-Fi signal hits the aircraft. If you have oh. trouble getting
0: online... Try a little bit later. Isn't that
1: bad? That pe- that must mean that people are just <laughs> whinging about it.
0: <laughs> the food was excellent, honestly. I mean, you mentioned many times that the food on AA, and that was really good. This time I ate, I think I had pesto grilled shrimps with saffron pecorino. So uh, was that pasta lunch? or something. That, I, the timings were a bit bizarre. But yeah, that was lunch. That was really good. One downside compared to, again, maybe fancier airlines is that you get the cheese, dessert, and coffee in one go. And you're like, I have 16 hours.
1: Why are you exactly.
0: (laughs) You know, you have so much time. Plus, we left early in the morning, so most people weren't sleeping for a long, long time because they were just not sleepy at all. But anyway, they had one mistake. I mean, that's just fun. It's not a problem, but they clearly made a mistake in the menus because (laughs) you have a translation, and we're going to Hong Kong, so the translation has to be obviously in Cantonese. The menu had a translation in Cantonese, the wine list had a translation in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> <So> they
1: certainly <That's laughs> embarrassing. They,
0: yeah, but anyway. I'm sure many uh, people pointed that out. Or maybe they didn't, I don't know. So food, you just mentioned that. The last food was breakfast. At the time we had breakfast, it was 2 p.m. in Hong Kong and 1 a.m. in Dallas. And you're like, why is there? I guess it's a last meal
1: and they need to call it something. Yeah. But breakfast? I was like, no, I'm not going to have breakfast now. I've <laughs> noticed just, there's an, a trend, BA do this, it's quite clever, I think, where they refer to it as the pre arrival meal. That's the So best that it's one, sort actually. of time zone, you know. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't eat it because I knew I would be in Hong
0: Kong airport for three hours because of the plane landed on time, thank God. And that I would eat in Qatar Airways. So I didn't try it, but it looks good. Final comment, the crew, like last time, like the Dreamliner. Some were really solid. Some were totally uninterested. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, would I fly that again? Probably. I I understand why you would choose it, because I think clearly that business class is better than
1: BA business class. That's for sure. That's really what it boils down to for me. Is across the Atlantic, it's a no-brainer at this stage. But of course, now that the BA new business class is coming online, that may very well change.
0: Yeah, I might have a chance to try that to Madrid. Let's see if I can get that. We'll see. So I'll do a pause now before going to get up to how variety in this show. First, So you flew first class. We're going to do that in the next probably episode. But apparently, there's a hot dog in American Airlines... Only from Heathrow to the U.S. It's a chorizo hot dog. did you see that on the menu. I will go back and look
1: because I keep all my menus. It was made by the chef who had opened
0: Bubble Dogs. You remember Bubble yeah, Dogs of course. In, in London? I don't know if it's still going on, by the way. So it's probably two years ago, three years ago. And apparently it's still on the menu. And I never had a hot dog in a flight. Me neither. And that's another one of those things that if done properly could actually work really well. I've looked into it and apparently it's very popular. And that's why they kept it. Now... The article I read was six months ago, so you flew just, what, a month ago, not even? So maybe, oh, we'll talk in the next episode, then you look at your menu about about that. So we mentioned, uh, of course, San Jose uh, many times already in the past in this episode. It's one of these airports, and this is a debate we started having in a previous episode, Facial recognition boarding. So have you had many times facial recognition boarding or never tried it yet?
1: I've never tried it. I've seen it offered and I've seen a lot of signage around it, which I think is more to assuage people's fears than it is to convince them that it's a, uh, you know, that they should what do you it. Think, what do you think about it? Are you okay with it? You know, when I saw it in Detroit, I mentioned in the last episode, I put a thing on Instagram stories saying, it was like a poll uh, or one of those free comment yeah. things you can do saying, what do you guys <laughs> think about this? And reaction was generally, I would say, 80%. I'm not so sure about this. And 20%, if it helps me get on board faster, I'm all for it. I haven't seen it in practice. I don't know how how much more efficient or less shit it makes the boarding process (laughs) so i I don't know i there is something that makes me feel uneasy about it but i think i'm perhaps being a little bit precious because there's so many other circumstances where i'm sure it is already happening and i don't know so (laughs) perhaps i should let it go i don't know i I, what what do you think yeah i have the same
0: you know at the end of the day, probably convenience will beat privacy Mm. Uh, we had a, I think it was now because you know some of the comments we've gotten did for a few months, but we had a at Paper Gray on Twitter who had done on San Jose to Narita, uh, flying A and and he, I think, is a he boarded in San Jose with official recognition just had to step on the mark on the floor a green light went on and I didn't even have to show my boarding pass and it was in it. hashtag future <laughs> but clearly it's happening JetBlue has that now especially at GFK Boston has it Dallas has it Delta had it in Atlanta and I was expanding to Detroit Minneapolis Salt Lake and LAX JetBlue has already scanned more than 150,000 faces in the past two years. So they've really been wow. doing that. Delta has its own biometric terminal in Atlanta. So where they're fully trialing that. So it scans your face as check in, backdrop, security, and boarding. AA. Since I was just, and you were just at Dallas, if you fly from Gate D, which was my case, probably Hong Kong wasn't up for facial recognition. You can also do that at Gate D's in DFW. It's everywhere. I'll go to international in a few moments. But in the US, you can, because that was a little bit my question, can you opt out? And apparently you can opt out. But... It's really hard to. They really incentivize you to not opt out, meaning that the whole process is made, apparently, that it's really hard to opt out, although it's it's a right that you have. There was this article in the New York Times a few weeks ago, and the author tried JetBlue's gates many times to see how secure they were. And he says, yeah, I had a hat and sunglasses, and he let me pass through. Mm-hmm. Failure rate seems a bit high. Face ID on your iPhone, I don't know the Android technology, but Face ID on your iPhone is more secure than these gates, for the moment at least. And the way it works is the computers compare your photo with the database that has your passport photo and or your visa photo. And they make this uh, live comparison, which by the way, at the end of the day, is very similar to biometric entrance with the e-gates because. You have your biometric information stored without having a photo in your passport. And that matches with the biometric distance between your eyes. I think there's like 30, 40 points or, or something.
1: I just looked at the image I took in Detroit. And it says yeah? interesting language, actually. it's you know They've got a whole tagline of one look and you're on. The next sort of subsection says you can now board your flight using delta biometrics. I would not have picked that word. But uh, it says you can now as opposed you will and at the bottom in fine print it says boarding using facial recognition technology is optional please see an agent with any questions or for alternate procedures i read
0: that for delta
1: only two percent of customers opt out Hmm.
0: so really literally everyone actually does the facial recognition and it's been rolled out so gatwick in the uk just confirmed that they are going for facial boarding they had a trial with easyjet already they're gonna extend that to most of the gates at the North Terminal and the new North Pier when it's open. Amsterdam is currently doing a trial with uh, Cathay Pacific, same. Um, Air France is testing that in GFK. And Air France has a very interesting quote here. Air France says, they hope to see 100% of all US airports adopt facial recognition technology by the end of 2020. And they're hoping by the end... Yes, ambitious. But they're hoping even by the end of this year, 93% Ninety three percent adoption amongst, you know, Air France flights leaving from the US, which is really high. So it's really rolling super fast. We had mentioned I think a year ago, Dubai has it for MRS, obviously, they have a biometric path, which is a mix of facial and iris recognition. And that applies in some counters and apparently, and I haven't been for a while, in the lounges from Concourse B. I always go to Concourse A. So Concourse B lounges, mix of facial and iris recognition. It feels like we're in Mission Impossible here. Uh, Bengaluru, uh, Bangalore is starting as well. Singapore as well. Shanghai as well. Qantas is doing that on LAX in Sydney. And now an interesting one is Qantas does that in Brisbane and Air Asia is doing that all across Asia. It's a different way. You use their own apps and you register your face. And when you go to the facial boarding gate, it doesn't match you with a government database. It matches with
1: your selfie with the Yeah, app? that's what you do on the US mobile passport app, which I tried for the first oh. time this summer. You take oh, a selfie uh, at at miami it was brilliant at dallas it was complete waste of time <laughs> why well um, the way it works is if i think actually anybody can use it if you would ordinarily be able to use an esta but i can't remember you take a selfie and you answer the standard questions that are on your customs form sorry we're going massively off topic here but um, i know, it's interesting it does something it sends it somewhere i don't know where but then it generates after it sends this information it sends this form back which is okay. got a QR code it's got your name it's got your passport number it's got the selfie that you took and funnily enough in Dallas the line to use it was longer than the line if I waited and <laughs> cuz the reason I was I was transiting I was worried <laughs> And the line to use the kiosk was really long. And the lady said, you should do this. But the, they were just waving people through if they had a piece of paper. But if you had the passport app, you had to wait in a line to be processed. When you get to the counter, they don't want to see the stupid thing on your phone. They just want to see your passport. Well. But well, at yeah, Miami, yeah. there's a was- separate queue for mobile passport. And there was no one in it. And I blew straight through in no time.
0: I think that's the uh, future. Even Ayata is actually looking at uh, a project. If you go on Ayata's website, so the body that does all the standards for the aviation industry, one ID. So that's the that's the idea: having a single form of ID, which is your boarding pass, your passport, all your information, passenger preferences, etc., linked with the airlines and uh, the governments, and etc. It's uh, at the end of the day. I think that's that's the way of the future. I yeah. mean, I understand why people are sometimes uneasy. I am as well. I'm very privacy conscious. Is more about the safety of the data because we know that this database in the US that has all these pictures was breached yeah exactly. uh, I think through a subcontractor I think a few months ago whatever I don't remember exactly so that's where you know I would not like to have my information being you know out in the open besides that you know if that's secure I probably would like to have just to look at it one thing. I think yeah, at Chengdu uh, International Airport, so that's in China, even the, the kiosks, you know, when you want to ask for information, look your way, pathfinding, etc., you show up in front of the kiosk, it recognizes you and automatically tells you where your gate is and stuff like that. This is—is is it creepy? I don't know. I
1: don't... I I still... I have a lot could, of mixed emotions about this. I, and same. It, guys, tell us what you think about this as well.
0: Last one, I uh, said AirAsia. There are App is called Fast Airport Clearance Experience System. Faces.
1: Uh, I was gonna say that's a mouthful, but I can see why they. I'm sure there's a technical term for cramming a uh, a full yeah. title into an acronym. Oh, we
0: got to find one for layovers. Uh, so one more about tracking airbus has announced its new technologies for iot within aircrafts so basically to so it's already done in airports like in supermarkets you know analyzing flow of passengers where they're going to make the flow better dubai very notably because they have a problem of expanding the airport they have no room basically to expand new terminals They've used these kind of uh, tracking technologies to see where people would usually flow. And they redrew some of the flow path to actually double the capacity of the terminal without actually doubling the physical capacity of the terminal. So this is already happening. But in flight, we know that there was like some people really afraid of these cameras that were supposedly looking at you. Oh, yeah. Singapore
1: Airlines, IFE, and a few others.
0: Cathay actually said that, yeah, we are filming. The kind of said that. Yeah. Or at least they reserve the rights to film. I don't think they said they're filming. They reserve the right to be filming in the future. But I mean, come on. I've seen cameras, not you know, on the IFE, but cameras in Emirates. I've seen cameras in Garuda. There's cameras, you know, looking simply if something happens. It's kind of normal. But it's true that it's a very different having like an overview than having like what Airbus is proposing, which is pure tracking. So they say they'll be able to know if your seat is upright or not they understand because it connect that yeah that makes sense they call that the connected experience they'll have your passenger preferences will be able to know what you like to drink or they will be able to know how long you stay in the bathroom which is so there's not going to be a camera in the bathroom but they say there's going to be simply a sensor to know how long the door stays closed and it's not about like Monitoring if me or Alex take 20 minutes in the bathroom or have a mild high club joining thing is more about is there maybe an issue with someone yeah. actually locked. It's also sensors to apparently Is there enough toilet paper? So instead of having the flight attendant having to look regularly, they'll simply see a signal. Hey, they're running low on soap or
1: something. Makes Um, sense to do things like that. I mean, I know that hotels use all kinds of information like this, and extending that because the technology now is so cheap and easy to deploy, it makes total sense. It'll all be anonymous aggregated data anyway, as well, which will help ultimately. One hopes and one assumes, improve passenger experience. They also added,
0: that's actually pretty clever, sensors in the bins. So especially for short-haul aircraft to know where there's still space. You know, at the end of the boarding and the flight attendants are looking for more space for the last few carry-ons. That will be automatically done as well. There will be sensors in the seat belts. (laughs) So will they police if you have your seat belts or not? (laughs) But I mean, and the last one is interesting. They might also be able to monitor the weight of the passenger and the height of the passenger for two things. They say to assign correct seats and also for the fuel. That seems to be have to be done before flight. And not I was gonna, when, that's what
1: I was going to say. Like, uh, do they wait and do they adjust? I don't know. That's not
0: interesting I don't know. One. But anyway, they're rolling that out. It's something that is coming as well. And I get it. Talking about Cathay Pacific, not filming you, but have you seen that they are freezing the new
1: hiring? The numbers are not great. No, the numbers are not great. And... The numbers across Hong Kong are not great. I know that. I, perhaps we touched on this very briefly in the last yeah. episode, but the numbers through Hong Kong are down massively. Hotel occupancy, I guess, in Shenzhen of just across the border, the numbers at the airport are up almost. Maybe. You know, filling that gap, <laughs> which is yeah. which is bad. Hong Kong will bounce back from this quickly. Yeah, I hope. I feel, but yes, Cathay, I think rather sensibly, is putting hold on. Any hiring, any you know, big capital expenditure until things settle down in the future is a little clearer. Yeah, they also say that uh, they're not going to
0: replace uh, departing personnel, uh, at least non-flying personnel, unless it's required. So there will be like a committee or whatever. But it's it's a bit sad because you remember we said like like a year ago they they had this kind of downturn and then. They had a profit just now, like the, the this first half of this year. They, they did this big turnaround, revamped the operations. And just when they had their first profit in like, what, three years? Suddenly, boom, this happened.
1: It's really sad. It's unfortunate timing on many levels. We won't get into the politics now, but... No, 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 no but yeah. I think, exactly. uh, yeah, it's a very worrying time for Cathay but at least they did those things to improve the efficiency of the airline already because if you go into a situation like this where overnight (laughs) your capacity in some instances and certainly your your passenger numbers go through the floor and you haven't done that exercise already then that's you know that's much more dangerous
0: That's bad news yeah also for those who and I don't think you've Ever done that? Because I don't think he ever mentioned it to me. Cafe Pacific used to have this very famous amounts heavy geeks, hidden secret of Fifth Freedom Routes. You could do Vancouver, New York, GFK with yeah. Cathay Pacific. So they're removing, sadly, that route. And that's, I think, the senior VP for the Americas said, frankly, this tag operation has been losing money for a number of years. Yeah, But it was a way...
1: To fly Cathay Pacific whilst basically staying in North America. Oh amazing. Was yeah, and when my father first started at Cathay, you could do San Francisco Vancouver. Oh wow. Yeah. So the route they, there was not a direct route to San Francisco until I think nineteen eighty six. When he started, or maybe even in 1987, and they kept one of them open, and you could do it—it w- it went Hong Kong, Vancouver, San Francisco, and you could buy a ticket, San Francisco, Vancouver, which uh, which was very cool. Oh well, see, uh, this this route was only
0: open maybe a decade after that route you mentioned from your father, maybe like mid 90s, mm-hmm. but it was—I mean, freaking flyers and navy geeks, I mean, flying Cathay Pacific in North America. But I get it. It was not making money. But what I liked is that senior VP I just mentioned, Lacan, I think he's called, said uh, he understands that there was a cult following for this route and that we liked it as well. He said, it's not bittersweet, it's bitter. Mm. It was our little secret. We're very sorry to see it
1: go. Having said that, I can't argue with the numbers. No, and I, uh, and, then pre- and it frees up an aircraft to serve some. They're expanding quite quickly. They've launched quite a few new routes in, in 2019, so perhaps this is one of those things where they were scrutinizing a little bit more to see if they could free up an aircraft and crew. Yeah. Um, Oh well, I don't know if you saw this as well. Speaking of Cathay, my good friend Joe Allen on Instagram. Follow Joe; he's an incredible photographer, ah, travel amazing. vlogger, vlogger, I should say.
0: Also, bastard, you've got the iPhone 11. 11, yes. See it. some of the photos yeah, yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. with that. Jimmy, he yeah. went to I'm the getting the my railing. tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I can't uh, wait for mine. Well, God damn it! So no, at J- Joe A yeah.
1: Double he yeah. is uh, flew on Cathay yesterday, maybe even today, and Betsy is back. No, oh, it is. Yep. Uh, oh wow! It's, I don't know if you can see that. It's a black can. It looks awesome. Oh wow! It's a can now. It's, oh, it looks really cool, it, man. It does. It looks. It looks really cool. Black can uh, wow. with a, with a kind of architectural or aeronautical design sketch of Betsy the airplane. And he says uh, wow. it's really, really well done uh, on all. Levels. Oh my so god! Very exciting. One more reason to
0: fly Cathay before the end of the year. I need to try. Oh my god! That's so cool. And the can looks okay. That's a success. Great. Was it in flight or was it in? Uh, looks like on, it's in flight. Ah, uh, Joe, tell us how it mm-hmm. uh, tastes. Please, oh my God, yeah! And follow Joe. He's awesome. He does these vlogs as well. These uh, travel videos on on YouTube. I mean, I don't know how you do it, Joe. I mean, he he travels. I mean, we travel both, but he travels and he spends the nights, I guess, editing stuff because he has he the, the, the out number. He so much of, stuff. Exactly. It's I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. So uh, we talked about JetBlue. You flew JetBlue during the summer, but let's do maybe Mexico first. Yeah. And you went to Mexico with United? I What did. is wrong with you? I did. No, it was I'm my kidding. first United
1: <laughs> flight in a long time. And it was San Francisco to Mexico City. So about four hours. Overnight flight. One of those awful ones where you don't sleep. You don't basically. sleep, really. I mean, they worked hard to get everybody in <laughs> in and out quickly or in the plane. And then up we went quickly. But I flew out of San Francisco. I went to the United lounge. They have a Polaris lounge, okay. which I was not allowed into. Okay. Because even though I was in quote-unquote first class, so it was either first class or economy on those routes, on a United flight, so it wasn't like I was trying to get on an alliance or anything like that, the Polaris Lounge in San Francisco was only for intercontinental travel. Oh, I see. Which is fine. It is what it is. Yeah, I get it. The lounge in San Francisco for schlubs like me was, (laughs) was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about at all. The food and drink was was minimal i left actually and i went to the american express centurion lounge which was phenomenal beautifully designed it was like a boutique hotel design nice incredible food Delicious food, absolutely delicious. The wine service, I didn't try for obvious reasons, but they would, they had a sommelier who would, you could taste all these wines and they would suggest wines that would go with what you were eating. Wow. Really, really, imp- those lounges are top notch. I really, really yeah, I've, I've, I've those. never
0: been to a Centurion yet because the one I keep seeing is the one in Hong Kong, but obviously we have the PR. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the PR, but I need to try it. Wow. So which terminal is United? Is it the new T1 thing, the
1: Harvey? No, it's T two, uh, okay. the United bit. I'm so confused by San Francisco. I every time yeah, I now, go in yeah. there, I, I'm like, it's a new airport to me, and I used to know that <laughs> airport like the back of my hand. So yeah, it was an A three nineteen on mm-hmm. United. We left a little bit late because the incoming flight was late, as so often is the case at the end of the day at San Francisco when the fog rolls in and everything slows down. I think there were just two rows of first. And the seat was was fine. There was IFE that was okay, but everybody just wanted to sleep. And I have to admit, I slept like a log. I was, <laughs> I was tired. The flight left late. I didn't even look at the food. I don't really think anybody did, even though they came and took orders. We almost had, to, I didn't know this, but we almost had to divert in the middle of oh. the night. And I was only made aware of this when the flight attendant or the captain, I can't remember, came on and said, thank you to everybody that helped out. That's how deeply I slept. I had no idea that this commotion was going on. They brought this passenger off first in Mexico City. It's hard to comment on United because I really didn't experience the flight the service on that route. The seat was fine. It was like a domestic US first class. So you know, comfortable, okay. lots of storage, power, Wi-Fi, all that. So yeah, it was it was okay, but I don't think that it would be fair for me to make a judgment call on United yeah, yeah. based on that one flight. How do you printed your visa in color? Oh my god. No, but funnily <laughs> you say that, because if you go back a few episodes, I, I got screwed by that. I was filling it out, and the chap next to me, we got to talking, and he did this route a lot, but he said, don't forget to fill out the bottom part, because he'd seen me put it away, and I had to oh, fill out that... this detachable bottom part, which is the bit that stays in your passport until you leave. Oh. So thank to you to this chap who said, yes, make sure you fill out the bottom bit.
0: So Mexico was uh, was it as busy as last time, or because he was very early, it was fine?
1: it was okay. It wasn't too busy. It's actually a busy time of day, but everything flowed pretty quickly. And they actually have these kiosks that I don't seem to know when they work because I was able to use one on this trip, again, making that bloody form redundant. But on my next trip later on, Earlier this month, actually. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. I wasn't able to use it. so But it was fine. I hate that airport. It's a piece of crap. Everybody in Mexico City (laughs) agrees, which makes the whole thing about the new airport not happening even more of a joke. Worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I flew back on Aeromexico. Oh, which nice. I had experienced long haul, and yes, it was fine. It was actually it was very good, and this was my first time doing them short haul in a seven three seven eight hundred. Okay, in business, the boarding process it felt really chaotic. It felt <laughs> loud, and it felt not disorganized. It just felt loud and and rather kind of tumultuous. But everybody got on, and again, they have IFE, they have Wi Fi. The service was really what's the word. Friendly and familiar and almost homey. That's what I love about Mexican culture is that it's like you've been welcomed into someone's home. And I love that. The food was, was very good. Interestingly, there was this ridge of thunderstorms basically from on top of Mexico City all the way up. Mexico to the United States border so we had to fly quite far west to avoid them and even then you could oh. look down and see these huge cumulonimbus storms with lightning cracking and we never have really felt any of it for more than a few minutes here and there but Aeromexico they were good I liked it I liked it short haul now I've experienced both and you can see why they're a, a backbone of sky team in that region sky they're, team. they're very yeah. good I was impressed
0: And then you decided to take again United this time to Boston for the Panama Challenge. That's right.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. And we talked about this when I booked it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You knew you were coming back, I think, with JetBlue, but you were hesitating, should I go there with JetBlue or
1: something? But it was too expensive. It was Yeah, JetBlue were really, really expensive, and they've been criticized for that to the point where American Airlines on that flagship transcon route with the live flats on the A321 they are the most expensive, but they have the best product, quite frankly. Yeah. This was a United non-Polaris, and this shows how fractured their product is. <laughs> it took forever to research what I was going to have, what it was going to be like, and it kept changing. They've taken off the ultra flagship on that Boston-San Francisco route, and we're, and it's now back to a lie flat offering – As well, but not with all of the bells and whistles and the doors and all this stuff. Same with Delta. Delta have gone not even reclining. Delta are had the what the hell's there? Delta one. Delta one. Delta one. See, it's so complicated. Just freaking call it first class. (laughs) And so I dismissed that because I wanted to try something neat, something interesting. It was on a seven fifty seven, which is now becoming outside of the U.S. a rare treat to fly. Yeah, it is, and I do like flying on those airplanes. So it's a two-two, fully reclining seat, and I think the plane was maybe twenty something years old, yeah. eighteen maybe. Inside, it feels new, not as new as Aristana. That was that was incredible how new that 757 felt. But there were there were elements of the interior that were not the seat that, if you'd examined, would made you realize how old the airplane was. Like <laughs> the overhead panel yeah, power, the buttons yeah, yeah. the lights the even the typography the window shades the fasten seatbelt signs and the toilet sign
0: and the no smoking and sign, the no smoking sign of
1: course <laughs> uh were very out- so old in fact that at some point during the flight at the front of the cabin where there's the sort of the master emergency exit light and the no smoking and fasten seatbelt sign the whole thing which maybe was like a meter long and sat a crossed the aisle, fell off <laughs> and dangled <laughs> from its cables for a good 15 minutes before somebody noticed. And and you you were like, okay, this is quite an old airplane, but you cannot replicate that feeling of taking off in a 7.57. Yeah, Just the, the, the power to weight yeah. ratio on that airplane is, is so good. But it's true. Yeah. I liked my United experience. The food and service were good. It was very cool guy, you know, like very kind of (laughs) friendly in a sort of a very aloof way. Certainly not a criticism. I rather liked it. I think I had pancakes with with Apple and stuffed pancakes. Yeah. And it was, it was good. The coffee was flowing. It was a long, long flight as it generally is in that direction. It's five and a bit hours. Uh, Wi-Fi was good. IFE was fine, even though I had my iPad. I thought it was good. I thought it was, it was fine. United get a lot of criticism, but it was as good as as a United non-flagship product. It could be, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: it was good. So how does
1: that compare with your way back? Because you did JetBlue that time. I did do JetBlue. And again, this was a pricing thing. I went, because my son was so ill, I had to oh, yeah. Yeah. compress my trip to Boston very quickly. So I actually went from the finish line of the 90 mile Pan Challenge straight to the airport. He uh, yeah, told me, yeah. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel, but actually it was it was fine. And Logan is Logan. I don't even want to talk about Logan. Um, <laughs> the lounge, the lounge there, because JetBlue don't do lounges except there's a
0: JFK. JFK
1: have a mosaic lounge, and I'm not clear who gets access to that. I've never been inside of it. I'm sure it's very good. It's where they have their potatoes. Potatoes. Is that, is that, something where they have on the, the roof or something. Deck. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There is a priority pass eligible lounge in Boston. That's crap. It's really bad. So I, I actually went to Legal Seafood, which is a uh, Boston institution. Yeah. I had yeah. some clam chowder and a lobster roll. Really, really good. That kind of took the sting out of it. And I flew in Mint, which I you guys know I rave about. It was very good. We were on an A321, so lots of space. It's a very good seat. The food was excellent. The service was good. I napped for a little bit. I didn't want to sleep. The whole way because it's like six and a half hours because you're going against the wind. But yeah. I also did, the flight landed at like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to get there and then not be able to sleep. So I now, yeah. But here's a, a massive design flaw I found in <laughs> in the, the way that that seat works. So it's a powered recline seat. But when you are in the middle of reclining it, there opens up, and perhaps my seat was broken. Anyone who's flown on JetBlue perhaps can comment this huge gap behind your seat. Where all of the sort of mechanics are. What? Yeah. And you can see why they warn you. Like if something fell down there, like a phone, and you went back up again, it would crush it. My big water bottle fell down there. And the gap. Is big enough for something to fall down there, but not big enough where I could get to the water bottle. And I was no like, way. "Yeah, it was a really strange wow. design flaw." It is uh, in that in that seat. So, of course, luckily the the water bottle was empty. But when I put my seat back, it made the most horrendous crushing noise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very very strange design. Yeah, it is. What I hadn't realized, because when I was,
0: I mentioned earlier, I was looking to do around the world. So after meeting you, should I go to New York and then from New York going back to Europe? And I was looking at a JetBlue because I've literally never flown JetBlue in my life. I've only heard you and friends obviously talking about. What I didn't realize is that I assumed hearing people talking about Mint and raving about it, that it was 1-1. But you have throne seats and you have duo seats. You ha- yeah, exactly. So you have to be careful which ones you are, I mean, careful. If, you, if you're if you not in a couple and you want to be left alone, do you have to pay more to have a throne seats over the, or not? I am really, not sure?
1: think so, but I, okay. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Let's think. No, I'm not sure. But I initially had on my the flight I originally booked, I had a throw seat, but then I changed my flight to come back earlier and I didn't. It's still excellent. It's still okay. a really good product. Good. Uh, okay, I'm, good. I'm just trying to find my menu to see if I can Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> so you, yeah, you basically it's really clever the way they do the food thing. They have this this menu, and there's maybe one, two, three, four, seven options. You pick three and it's sort of light bites sizes okay. so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, really 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 good uh delicious food and of course at the end you get this cookie from milk bar from momofuku from david chang which i always kind of try can i have a couple of extra because i want to take them with me because they're so flipping good so I, again i'm a fan of jet blue although i will reiterate i do think it's overpriced
0: I still want to do it once. I mean, next time I'm in San Francisco or LA, whatever, I want to. I want to really try that. It's for me. It's really the not not the holy grail, but something very different. Because you just mentioned United. I was again looking at that round the world trip. I was looking at the United, obviously, because when you do, for instance, the Star Alliance round the world option, you you're locked in. So of course, I would fly United. And you're right. From San Francisco to New York, and I was not flying Boston but to New York. I was. Having a hard time finding the true polaris product. Yeah. Most of the product were seven fifty sevens like you, which I adore for the plane itself. But I really wanted to try their Transcon flagship product. I think Dreamliners. Yeah, really rare. Actually, it's tough to find. Maybe that's why JetBlue is so successful because you know that you're gonna have mint.
1: I mean, if you fly in the front, it's that great. consistency of availability is. Yeah, uh, and I absolutely understand. United and American and all these other guys, they have huge fleets, which they have to retrofit. Uh, And it's the same with BA to an extent. To an I, I am so surprised, and maybe it's because I don't pay attention as much, but the speed at which ANA... Put that new product on their fleet of triple sevens has blown me away. But but maybe it's one of those things where if you were a frequent ANA flyer, you've been waiting and scrutinizing and analyzing for at the same level that we do with BA and yeah. a few others.
0: Then again, we are lucky because living in London, we get these flagship products very quickly. Yes, I'm not sure if you were to fly Tokyo to Kuala Lumpur, you might have something really cool very quickly. Yeah. So whilst Alex was doing this JetBlue, and I'm very jealous, I was in Hong Kong and I was waiting for my Qatar flight. So as I said, I had these unprotected connections. And the biggest difference between American Airlines and Qatar is that everything here, if you think about it, American Airlines, Qatar Airways, BA, they all in one world. AA refuses to even try to check my luggage through. Because it's a different PNR, they don't care. Qatar Airways? I'm in Hong Kong. I say, can you put my checked luggage through with BA? Oh, of course it's well, well, we'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. Your luggage is directly through London. I mean it's a small
1: thing. No, it's uh, not. I don't think it's a small thing. I think it's a big I mean, thing. I think it's representative of American Airlines and American America is the capital of customer service, the world yeah. leader. Somehow the airlines have been exempt from that. And American <laughs> Airlines definitely has this culture of not my effing problem or that's not my job. And I think that they really have to sort that out.
0: Yeah. So I'm not versed well enough to judge, but it's true that it was striking that they just, of course, one world. I mean, I would have understood if it's different, you know, different airlines. But even remember, guys, I flew Emirates from London via Dubai, connecting with Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, to San Francisco. That was very early this year. Emirates has nothing to do with Cathay Pacific. Emirates said, okay, we'll try. And they did. And the luggage went through all the way through my final destination. So it's possible. It's not, you know, it requires two, three more minutes of customer service because they have to
1: log in and try to find whatever, but it's not hard. I disagree with you. I think it is important. And I think it is something no, it that is. they should be held accountable for.
0: You're absolutely right. It is important. It was not important with me because. Like you, I am very good in airports. I was like, okay, it's fine. I know that Hong Kong, I go out, take my luggage, get back in, which I did basically, right? It was super quick because Hong Kong is so efficient. So that's why I didn't insist at San Francisco that they do this. But you know, you're right. In general, it would matter. So I had... Q-suite this time, and this time I actually had the Q-suite, unlike the way in where they actually had to switch aircraft. I had a few comments about that and people were like, yeah, "Yeah, it's unfair, whatever, but you know what? Yes, it's true that the difference between the old product from Qatar Airways, I'm talking old, old, and the Q-suite is staggering. There's a huge gap. So of course you're very unhappy if you are flying a route that is supposed to have the Q-suite you're not having, but at the same time they're not doing that willingly. Airlines have to switch aircraft sometimes for many, many reasons. And they're upping their game. They keep transforming aircraft through having the Q suite. I get it. It's disappointing. But, you know, it has happened so many times to us Another thing, You you expect, like, that type of aircraft and getting another. It's true. Again, the difference of product is so massive that you're down. You're let down more massively. Again, as I said in the previous episode, if it's your one shot in your life to fly the Q Suite, I get it. Should Qatar, like, offer you a free flight and another Q Suite because you missed that one? I'm not. No. Come on.
1: it, It also depends on how they're pricing it as well. Like, if they're pricing over the odds for that. No. It's See, the same pricing i've noticed and we'll talk more about this in the next episode there are massive price discrepancies when you book on american depending on whose product you're going to be if it's on a ba 747 it's way 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 cheaper because cheaper. the product is not nearly as
0: good i'm looking into going to madrid i saw that the 350 is doing test flights there I mean, test with passengers but i mean short flights if I opt in for that one, it's 40% more expensive yeah. than a 319, 320, whatever the else. I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm probably not going to have the chance to fly that for 50 otherwise in the next two years from BA. But yeah, Qatar, no. Qatar is similar pricing. There's no difference. So I'm for the first time, I'm forward-facing on the queue, meaning that the console is on the window. So there's a little separation. Some people will call that AL, but I mean this is not relevant. It's still a window seat. But you know, there's good privacy thanks to the door. So you don't care that you are like not true window, whatever. It's really, really great. You know, you have three windows. That's the advantage of having that one. You have more windows than the one that is rear facing. But for the rest, it's a fantastic product. Honestly, absolutely fantastic. The one thing on that flight that made it for me very memorable And I know I I say that a few times if you listen to the 99 episodes now of this show. This was my best flight since we started recording. This was my best flight because of the crew. We always say, you know, the Q Suite obviously is great. The Q Suite obviously is one of the best, if not the best product in business class in the world right now. The food is fantastic, obviously. But that applies to cafe. That applies to Emirates. That applies to probably for food at least AA. This product is above and everything because the crew was just so friendly, attentive, but not overbearing. They were always there. I mean, look, at some point I fell asleep very early in the flight and I wanted to eat. My door was open and I didn't press the not disturb button. I nodded off. I didn't sleep. And probably 20 minutes later, I opened my eyes. There's a little note written in front of me saying we didn't want to wake you up if you need anything just press the button we'll be there there's food and everything. like and signed by the name of the pa i didn't press the button i said i want to go to the lavatories i went to the lavatories didn't meet anyone on the way there but on the way back that person saw that i had been moving realized I was awake and immediately came and say what do you want for your first drink this is attentiveness that i mean come on that is so good there was one uh, and i'll mention her by name amalia she was the flight assigned to my ale she was above and beyond i've rarely seen that quality of again attentive friendliness not but not over not you know the exact right level she read me and other passengers as well so well and all the i mean honestly it's of course the qatar was still the mother don't you want to eat more or whatever (laughs) like i said in the previous episode that's a cultural (laughs) thing though isn't it yeah but you know what Qatar, along with Cathay, is what makes me stay in One World and what makes me still love One World because they make every single effort to make you feel at home. And they, they're young. It's not a dislike older flight attendants, but I'm impressed that at the level of their age, they are so well trained yeah. because usually you expect that kind of, you know, Cathay, for instance, the old flight attendants have this Years of experience that makes them so good understanding every single detail, which is some them, yeah. which is sometimes missing in younger flight attendants. She and others were just perfect. I'm baffled by a flight like that. This is uh, all the stuff, of course. They had um, they call it the super Wi-Fi. To uh, so say simply that they're using these, you know, the two Q whatever oh, yeah, the you know yeah. the, this bandwidth that. And yeah, man, it's super fast. Probably you get faster in domestic US. I know Gogo has also 2Q and Viasat or whatever the name is. This is in Marsat, but $10 for the whole flight, no data cap, no throttling, and you're fast all the whole way through. And it's, a, what, seven hours flight, whatever. And man, just works. And everything just works. The, the rest, you, we've talked about the Q Suite. You know, the screen is huge. There's a lot of content. Everything works well. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, Fantastic. And I'm not gonna say because now that I've said her name, I don't wanna put her in a situation that maybe she wasn't supposed to reveal. But she explained to me how the roster of flight attendants work, how they choose their flights, how they pick their flights in Doha, where to go, etc. It seems to be quite open, and she and that's what I liked. Her and another flight attendant whom I don't remember her name, they were really happy employees. Oh. They really love their brand, they love and that translates into a great experience, by the way, and we know that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, happy employees, happy customers. Absolutely. But it was great, great, great. Loved every minute of that flight. So, yeah, I uh, wanted to put that out there because it will be hard to beat. <laughs>
1: that's, that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's some pretty uh, amazing words to say that it's your, the best yeah. flight you've done since we started. But as we say repeatedly, and I know I said it just like five minutes ago,
0: the crew makes it, you know. Oh, yeah. It didn't have to be the QSuite. I said, I think five, six episodes ago that I flew also Qatar and it was a 320, or 321 and the crew was amongst the best I've ever seen. Again, it was the crew. The yeah. aircraft itself was 320. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really the crew. So they have super well training. It's sad that they're losing money because uh, I don't know if you've seen the numbers announced this morning, but the blockade is not helping no. <laughs> it's I, I, that way. Of course. Yeah. So I'm in Doha. I'm in Doha. I have the whole night because that was how I was able to get such a good fare. They kind of force you to stay like for eight hours. But I went to the Oryx Hotel, which is the transit hotel. It's an amazing hotel. You have the view on that very famous teddy bear. <laughs> uh, I went to, of course, to the Murjan Lounge, which is one of my favorites in the world, which is a business class lounge. But I didn't know, and I don't remember who told me that. There was one of our listeners who told me that you can actually... Uh, Jez underscore K. You can go. That's a tip for you guys and maybe for me next time. If you pay $70, you can go to the first class lounge. If you're already in business class ticketed business class and you want to access a first class lounge, you pay $70 and you have access oh, to I that see, so. in, in But you,
1: you have to be in business class already. Yes. Okay. The pictures look amazing. I've
0: never been. But by the time I learned that, by the time Jez, I'm going to call you Jez, sent me a message. I only had two hours remaining before my father said, I'm not going to pay $70 okay. now. I'm fine here. So 350 900 to Stockholm. Row one is again empty. And I've asked this time, I say, why do you keep keeping the row one empty. It doesn't appear when I want to select my seat. But when I get into the aircraft, row one is empty. He says, oh, because we don't want to bother passengers with the noise that we're making in the galley.
1: So that's, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that's entirely the truth, but it's. Uh... But then, then
0: they told me, if you want to sit there, sir, because I was in 2K or whatever, that you want to sit in 1A. Just go ahead. So it was not that they didn't want you to sit there, because it was allowed to. The seat is a bliss. You know, it's not you 2 it's a bliss. It's supposed to be a six-hour flight, The French pilot. This very French unique accent, which I love. Welcomes us. We push back. Then we're on the taxiway, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, what's going on? Oops, we got a technical problem. Going back to gates, but for 20 minutes more, we stay in a standstill because I guess in looking for a gate and couldn't find a gate, <laughs> he says he's a technical snag. They need to reset something. So they reset something. It doesn't work. More mm-hmm. half an hour. So here we're already an hour and 20 minutes late. They're doing full service. I said the last time, drink service, nuts, coffee. Do you want to eat something? They come to you every single passenger. They talk to you in person, of course, in business class. I don't know how it happens in the back, but full service. And you're like, OK, well, I'm fine to wait. You know, you offer me champagne and nuts, and I can even eat something. I said, no, it's fine. Don't worry, because we never know we're going to leave. Then the pilot says, oh, the team did a great job. We're finding the paperwork. We'll be ready to go in 10. Uh, No, the thing crashes again, and uh, we have to deplane, and there's no aircraft. (laughs) By the way, I think Gizmodo had um, done an article also a few weeks ago saying that uh, the European Union's Aviation Safety Agency, which is the equivalent of the FAA, said that uh, some Airbus 350 are known to have some software bug, and the solution is to, like a router, to reboot the plane turn the plane off and turn it up again. <laughs> so probably what they tried to do there, but it didn't work. I'm back to the Al-Murkhan, this business class lounge. And they need to find another aircraft, which were in Doha. So it would have taken probably an hour or two. So it's fine. I go to the desk and I say, guys, is there a flight that goes directly to London? Can you rebook me to a flight to London? I'm ready to pay. You know, I need to go to Orlando, but why yeah. In the end of the day? And I realized because I'm on Google flights, the 380 just left, but I knew there probably another one they take my passport, my boarding passes, they say, but you, you're going to Heathrow via BA. I say, yeah, do you have the boarding pass? Which they had issued for me, by the way, the guys at Qatar in Hong Kong had issued for me. They take the two boarding passes, they say a minute, okay, you're good, we're going to put you directly on. And i like, uh, how much is it? No, it's free, sir. We're going to arrange it for you. It's our fault. The aircraft didn't work. You want to be in London, we're going to put you to London directly. Wow. We'll call BA, we'll cancel the flight for you. I'm like, okay, what? Please just have a seat, have something to drink. We need about 15 minutes. In 15, 20 minutes, they had issued my new boarding pass. They had called BA, no extra charges. Also in business class, happens to be a Q suite as well. The guy comes with a new tags. Don't worry, your luggage is actually in the new aircraft. He's being rerouted because they had to remove it from the replacement aircraft to Orlando. They did all that in 20 minutes.
1: That's incredible. If- for free that's that that's extraordinary isn't it so, i mean and and yeah. th- it seems to be they have this mantra at the moment of <laughs> satisfy the customer yeah and just, cost be damned i mean i'm one world
0: ba is one world i'm emerald so ba gold does it Matter, I don't know. But when you do something like that, you know, you know, know, I would have taken the next flight to Arlenda, and I would have been late and then BA would have rebooked me to a later flight back to London or I would have done it through the app. It was merely a convenience for me. Yeah. Asked for it because convenience. And I was in my head, I'm like, if they ask me for a little bit more money, I'll pay for it because now I'm tired. I've been doing all these flights. If I could go directly to London. No, nothing. It was wow. you're like, man. And you get immediately on the app, I got notifications. Your luggage has been <sighs> tr- Transfer to everything on the app appears, suddenly my flight disappears and a new one appears. I mean there was a few bugs here and there. I'm not gonna say it's perfect, but I mean overall it's the experience is like, of course I'm gonna fly you again. Because when you treat me like that, I wanna fly you again. Wow. And not only I had the greatest flight ever just before, and that experience I'm like, well, you know. <laughs>
1: That's incredible. Yeah. So wow. It was
0: yeah. And I've heard because I did an Instagram story about that, a few guys. I've reached out and said the same thing, that they had similar experiences with Qatar. They had to be rebooked, and everything was done without question, just here you go. So, yeah, I mean, okay, maybe they're losing money. Some people will say, yeah, uh, I don't know. But just as a pure passenger experience, this is what you want, man. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> I mean, perfect. Almost literally perfect. Good. Exactly. Wow.
0: Yeah. So then, because we need to close this episode soon, so quickly to London, the only thing that did is i was again in a q suite and again on a window seat but there was this lady with a baby that had booked a central seat to be next to her husband obviously because you know the divider opens up but that seat couldn't have the bassinet so couldn't have you know the cot for the baby Mm -hmm. the flight was full and the flight came to me said do you mind switching seat of course i would have meant that i've been in the central row and i said of course you know i mean she has a baby and i get it right so i I had my first experience in the um, in the central bit of the the queue. Very similar. The only difference, of course, is that divider. I would say that if you fly solo, it's not great because the divider is not high enough. If I'm standing, which is rare, I can see basically the other guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm tall, fine, and that divider is a bit flimsy. Not that it would follow anything. So really, these seats are made for a, a couple. But otherwise, same. Fell asleep, woke up. There was a note on my little table. Do you want to eat something? <laughs> I mean, I mean. And by the way, just to, final word, to actually command BA, BA, whilst I was not yet rebooked to London, but because the, I don't know how it works. I don't know if Qatar told them. Because they knew that my flight was delayed, BA had already rebooked me to a later flight in Orlando, which then got canceled because I wasn't going there. But BA did their job as well. They rebooked me already to a flight later. So
1: That's really good.
0: We're hoping for this kind of stuff more often. Everything
1: else is going to be a disappointment after this.
0: There, sorry guys, I was talking a lot and I had in my notes a lot of uh feedback we had from the last episode, but we're already an hour and forty-five minutes into the episode. So I'm guessing we're gonna go directly to the airport. You guys, all your great comments about the episode from uh Detroit, we'll have to wait for the next one. I'm really sorry about that. I'm just gonna mention two. One is uh Oh, at Value Deck, taunting you because he says, yeah, well, you went to US Custom in Dublin twice, and there was never a line. Sorry, Alex.
1: So, striker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, James Hill on Facebook. I love this kind of tips, because this is something that we all should know about Detroit TW. There's a secret security clearance into McNamara Terminal within the adjacent Westin Hotel. The line is always short or non-existent, and the staff is friendly and treat you like a human being. Wow, that
1: is a good tip, which we've just that ruined is- for everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, I'm assuming everything Yeah, you guys are sending us is repeatable on this podcast. If you want to tell us something that we should not repeat or should be anonymized, you let tell us, us know. Yeah, please. tell us. Yeah, because otherwise we might... Oops, I'm so sorry. So, Arlanda. Do
1: you like Arlanda? I do. Another great Scandinavian airport. Is that a IKEA airport? It's a, it, yeah, it, it does feel like. But it's got. It's it's like Helsinki. It's like uh, Copenhagen. These are and Oslo to an extent. These are functional, bright, airy, well laid out new airports. Generally new. Uh, they've been yeah. updated and refurbished. I I like Stockholm Airport
0: a lot. Yeah, I like it. So T five, which is international terminal, is the oldest one, but it was renovated recently. T two. I don't know what T1 is. It's one of these terminals, you know, in some airports that disappear completely. Yeah, like uh, T2, <laughs> Yeah, Doctor like Toronto, exactly. T2 was originally the domestic SAS. Now it's international Europe, I think. T3 is regional. T4 is domestic. I don't know. They look really from the 90s, but they're fine. The one thing that I really find always bizarre is that they lined up like literally one next to the other. You have to walk through them. And... They have an express train that goes from T2 to T5. Literally, it takes me seven minutes to work from T2 to T5. I
1: don't understand why they have a train yeah. between these two. It may be an accessibility thing.
0: It may be. But anyway, so there's an express train. But it takes you, with my legs, four minutes. They say 20 Honestly, 10 When you walk there, there's a Sky City, which is landslide. And you have shops. And you have hotels, including the rest and fly I mentioned, which is a budget option. But you have two with the Radisson, obviously. You have the Arlanda Express that goes into the city. I think it's the best way. Have you ever been uh, that's to what the I was going to say. I
1: think that yeah. Arlanda Express is the way to go.
0: I think it's 20 minutes or something. I think yeah. You, you have also the commuter rail. which is cheaper, but it takes double the time. So really up to you. The buses as well. And there's fixed fare for cab. The lounges, have you ever visited any
1: lounges in... Uh... I, I'm sure I have. I don't remember them, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I haven't been to all of them. I've been to one in T5 for Qatar, which called Menzias. The food was a bit meh, and the cleanup was slow, but it was okay, I guess. The lounges that need to be seen are the SAS lounges, especially the gold ones. So it's, of course, Star Alliance gold. It's in T5. It's all automated, so there's no arguing whether or not you're allowed in. You swipe either your gold card or your boarding pass. If it opens, you're allowed in. If it's not, it's not. That's it. <laughs> and it's it's a very IKEA lounge, you know. All the and and I say that very positively, by the way. Yeah. We're not mocking, but say IKEA, like very. No, I think that's a compliment. And modern and clean, and the uh, FNB is a bit boring, but there's a lot of salads and and I love these lounges. You know that you can have water. The same system as a draft beer. So you press a button and, you know, like a um, fountain, yeah. basically. And not having b- plastic bottles, I think it's very, again, environmentally friendly. Agreed. Yeah, phone rooms and stuff. So these are really, I think, I'm not sure, guys, if you've been, but I think the non-gold lounge doesn't have alcohol. And only the gold lounge has alcohol. Oh, that's interesting. I wasn't, it was a morning, I didn't drink, but I think so. I'm not sure. The trick now, because there's one trick I want to tell you guys that I would have used if I had been going back to Stockholm and then London and not directly to London as I did. When you arrive at T5, and if you don't have to pick up your luggage, as soon as you enter the terminal, there's a button next to the gate F1. You press that button, you wait two, three, four minutes, five sometimes, a security guard comes in Make sure that you're allowed to and transfers you with a bus to T2. So you don't have to go out. It's a very nifty trick because it cuts you a lot of time if you want to transfer between T5 and T2, which are the Booth International. So for me, landing Qatar, leaving BA, go to the gate F1. There's a button a special dedicated security person will come and then you can go to the bus wow you go super super quicker than actually having to go out etc especially if you don't you know you you and me alex were we have eu passports so i mean at least for a little bit longer i guess
1: yeah (laughs) yeah so
0: a couple of weeks So exactly so if you have a foreign passport especially an american passport whatever you can cut your time transiting super quickly Gate F1, guys, that's the one you need to remember. That's
1: a very good tip.
0: Besides that, what I love about an airport is that it's obviously very environmentally friendly. They do continuous descent approaches and everything to make it less noisy and less polluting where the aircrafts are landing or departing. By the way, the fee for the airlines is calculated per aircraft and depending on the age of the aircraft and their fuel efficiency. Modern aircrafts, an airline pays less fees to land and depart from Marlenda than old aircrafts, which is actually a yeah. yeah, good incentive, yeah, I found. Absolutely. But I really love, you know, it can be very, really cold. And they use a very peculiar system of heating, which is they have a huge underground aquifer which in the summertime the underground water is cooler than the surface, so that cools the entire building and all the facilities. And in the winter the underground water is warmer than outside, so it warms the entire facilities. And they can even warm and heat the ramp and the <laughs> hangar doors with wow. it, so that they don't not stuck in icy right, situation. Right, right. It's super well done, and including the heating for the passenger parts, everything comes from this. They use also like what's the name ground. Energy, you know, the underground thermal. Yeah, imagine you have the this water comes under the ramp, under the cement, and warms the cement so that it doesn't go into icing. It's it's I mean it's, it's amazing. When it you think about amazing. it, and of course there's snow. I don't know if you've ever experienced snow there. There's a yeah. lot of snow. Yep. They have a policy. They never close. So they have three runways. December, by the way, is about 25, 27 million people a year. Having three runways allows them to clear one or two and have one roadway open or two. They always have at least one open. They have, if I'm not mistaken, 250,000 square meter to clear from snow. It's a That's- huge amount. So they have, during the winter season, they hire seasonal staff on top of their own staff. And ATC's job at that point is not only to route the aircraft, it's also to route these teams and to balance them between the aircraft to make sure there's no snow to taxiways and clearing one or two runways while the other is still open. So these guys are basically sweeping snow all the time, every 30 minutes, at least every taxiway. Wow. So it's, it's, it's in, the operation must be, man, it must be insane. It must be utterly extraordinary. And, The last bit, which will be cool for those of you who are pilots, so when one of the runways is clear from snow, and then they move to the next one to clear it, they set a vehicle on top of it to test its uh, friction value. And then they announce its friction value to all the pilots that are on descent. Friction value is the how How much they set their brakes, right? And every pilot. As the final decision, the final call, whether or not they're OK to land. They can cancel a landing saying, no, we'd rather wait a little bit more for another runway to open to have a better friction value. So they really send that information back and forth all the time. <laughs> and of course, that friction value also determines how often they plow that runway and how much, uh, what's the name, anti-squid, I guess, you know, mm. the, the stuff they put on top of it. And I've, I've witnessed it. I was one of these days when it was snowing like crazy. and you're like, why is ETHRO closing as soon as there's like one centimeter of snow? I mean, they have this operation nailed down to a... Uh...
1: It's so impressive, isn't it? Kudos. Yeah.
0: Kudos to these guys who are making a, such a great job. I yeah. mean, It's wow. an
1: extraordinary feat of operational engineering, I guess.
0: Anyway, that was it. Sorry, I talked a lot. Now, next episode, hey, hey the good thing is it's Alex's turn. And we don't know what we're going to record next. Not two months, but after this, we also are traveling. You're traveling until, let's say... October 10th. Are you traveling before then? Uh, next flight?
1: Let's see. Probably. I love that.
0: I'm just going to Amsterdam next week, and BA has called off their strike, so yes, I'll be fine with goodness. BA. So, guys, we see you when we see you. Happy flying. Safe travels, guys.